1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks, I'm your host Kane Pittman, here alongside a special co-host today for today's episode that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. I'm not sure what the Ultra Moment is going to be. I might uh, throw that to my co-host today, a friend of mine and, and someone that everyone will be familiar with if you are on Twitter, a part of Bucks Twitter. Also runs the Recombobulation Area, which, by the way, is one of the great names of all time for a column. Dan Schaefer, it's about time we did this. It's about time we got you on the podcast. How are you doing, man?
0: I'm hanging in there, Kane. It's uh, not the greatest of days to be a Bucks fan, but good to be talking to you, my
1: friend. I think we met the first time, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe in person... And we'd interacted before, but I think the first time we met was at the live Locked On Bucks, I think,
0: which was at, right. yeah. at
1: Broken Bat Brewing, of course, in Milwaukee, and it was a really fun time, and I didn't have to do this, so I was just drinking beers and having a good time. I got a Caron Butler bobblehead for answering a question about Steven Adams, which Frank tried to decline me my prize given my proximity to New Zealand, but I've still got it. It's here in my room.
0: <laughs> These are some deep cuts with the Lockdown Bucks audience here, and uh, that was a fun night. That was a fun night.
1: So we we got to have some laughs here because clearly it's it's not the best time to be a Bucks fan right now. Twenty four hours after the collapse against the Brooklyn Nets, but as we record this, we are just minutes removed from Philadelphia, as I described it one of the one of the best hold my beer moments I can remember in recent NBA playoffs. The Sixers have given up a 26 point lead at home to the Atlanta Hawks. And now they are trailing three, two in the series. And I'm not the type of person that that makes me feel any better about the Bucs Cause quite frankly, they're both in big trouble now, but it's hilarious to me that year on year, we have expected this Philadelphia Milwaukee playoff series is going to happen. These teams don't like each other. It feels like it's never going to happen.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, it's, it's felt like they're, they've are been on this collision course, almost dating back to the season where they were one and two in the lottery. And now they're just, you know, as this animosity has grown over the years between the two teams, it seemed like there would be some inevitable epic playoff series, but both teams just keep stepping on rakes on their way there. And, uh, uh, you know, never seen, never seem to get there, but it is, it's really a, It's fun to see the Sixers lose, not going to lie.
1: Yeah, no question. No question. I did say that to you beforehand. I don't think it necessarily makes me feel any better, but it doesn't mean that over the last couple of minutes of that game, I wasn't watching with a smile on my face, seeing uh, the reactions and also the Philly fans. I mean, we know what the Philly fans are like. Uh, They were absolutely booing the crap out of the team as they left the court. I actually felt a little bit of fear for the Atlanta Hawks players as well. I'm like, are they going to get out of this arena alive? Is this going to be okay? But to be fair, I think the Sixers fans generally direct their rage at their own. Uh, I'm not saying, not saying they can get a little wild for the opposition, but I think they were more pissed off at Philadelphia than they were the Hawks.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, it's always unpredictable with Philly fans, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, as I said, we're 24 hours removed from this box loss to the Nets, so let's keep this uh, on track here. And the up, latest update we have as far as injury reports, Kyrie Irving is listed as out for tomorrow's game. James Harden was not on the injury report. Now, I, I did point out that James Harden was also listed as out 24 hours before Game 5, and then he came out and played 46 minutes. But as uh, Steve Nash has said, that Kyrie Irving not expected to fly to Milwaukee. Who knows whether he gets his own jetpack or something and zooms himself over to Milwaukee for tip-off. It's Kyrie. Anything could possibly happen with that guy. Where are you at mentally? And I mentioned this to you before we started recording. We've spoken about the adjustments. We've spoken about what we want to see. We've spoken about Bud. Everything on repeat, it feels like, for the last two, three weeks. Honestly, it feels like for the whole regular season. But now we're at the point where the Bucs could have 24 hours left in their season. Where are you at with the Milwaukee Bucks right now, Dan?
0: Oh, man. When you put it that way, uh, I don't really think there's any other way to, to be about the Bucks right now than it be in kind of a dark place. I mean, this is, you know, it, they, the Bucks had every opportunity. We all know this. They had every opportunity to, to really, you know, take the next step here and put Brooklyn away in a game they should have won. Um, and, of course, here we are 24 hours later after witnessing Kevin Durant's incredible performance after seeing Jeff Green join the ranks of, of Jay Crowder and, and uh, Fred VanVleet before him as just certified Bucks tortures. Um, you know, I just, I, I feel like there's a little bit of a window closing for the Bucks. You know, I, you never know how long these championship windows are going to be open. And the Bucks has been, this is their third year where they've been a championship contender. And it feels like for the third year in a row, they're inevitably going to come up short. Now, of course, there's two games left. And of course, anything could happen. Durant put a lot of miles on <laughs> in game five. Uh, the rest of the team, you don't know, you're not going to expect another seven, three point game from Jeff Green. Um, but it just does feel like there's a sense that that was their opportunity. And even if they do come back to Milwaukee and win one in front of the home crowd, um, and I've been at both of those games, they've been incredible home crowds. Um, so you can't rule anything out there, but it it just feels like there's a little bit of this kind of death march (laughs) vibe to it right now. Right. I mean, what are you thinking?
1: I mean, to me, it, I think you're spot on. And if I'm I'm not a gambler, if I was going to put money on a game six result, I would put it on the Bucs. I'm actually feeling pretty confident that they're going to force a game seven. Now, I don't know if that is because I expect that if the Bucks season is going to end, it's going to end in the most excruciating way possible. So I expect a game seven loss. I'm not 100% sure. I feel like we are all tuned in to have that mentality. But you kind of pointed to the fact that probably the most troubling thing about this and maybe I'm in a better position to feel sort of okay with it and accepting about it because I think throughout the regular season, there's been a lot of frustration. There's been a lot of anger among Bucks fans about some of the results, about the way that this team has played at times. And I think I probably have had lower expectations than most in terms of whether this team was going to win a title this year. I just thought that based on what we've seen in previous years, I thought that they were trying to put themselves in the best position possible. Yes, with the way the team that was coached, with the personnel that they had on the roster. But once you go through a couple of playoff runs, you kind of understand how difficult it is to win a title. So while the last couple of years, the Bucs had the best regular season record, I went into the postseason thinking, okay, they can win a title this year. This year, I think I, my mentality was, this is going to be really hard. I hope they have a long playoff run. Can I actually visualize this team winning a championship? Probably not. But now that you're in the moment and now the Bucs find themselves 3-2 down, just say they find a way to get through this series. It, it just feels like such a grind to go through another two series. I mean, you just, it, when, once you're in there, you get the perspective of how long a playoff run is. And I think we've seen from the coaching to the roster as well, despite the changes they've made, it feels like the Bucs are a little bit short in those key areas and yes i know this is pretty simplified stuff but in terms of a superstar like kevin durant and also the coaching
0: yeah yeah it it does feel short like it i I remember just like thinking at the very beginning of the playoffs when the the bracket lined up for the bucks you know just looking at miami and probably brooklyn and probably philly and probably whoever came out of the west as the route that they would have to take to get to the finals it was just like there's you know if they do that, that's one of the all-time runs. You know, they would have to put together one of the all-time runs to make it happen. Um, now, I think going back to the season, I was a little bit more optimistic than you about the Bus Bucks prospects this year, just because my, I guess my thesis statement about the season was that the biggest problem before was Bledsoe, and the biggest problem before was was the backcourt, and that the trade for Drew Holiday, uh, which I loved. Uh, was going to be the solution to that. It was going to be the solution to that biggest problem. Uh, I think it's clear from what we've seen in these five games against Brooklyn that the problems with the Bucks run much deeper than just a personnel change in the backcourt. Um, whether it's with Budenholzer, whether it's with Giannis, whether it's with you know every little move on the margin that they needed to get right to put this team into into position to get over the hump. It just seems like those problems are just a little bit deeper than, than just like, okay, we need to make a personnel change at a a position or two. Right. Um, So I think that is, that's kind of where I've been in the fan mindset of grappling with this, just like these last five games, you know, uh, trying to, (laughs) <laughs> trying to recombobulate a little bit yeah, <laughs> about, yeah, where, uh, about where this team is and, and the trajectory that they're on.
1: All right, Dan, it's time now for the Michelob Ultra moment of the week. It was a tough choice for me to pick this week's Ultra moment, but I'm going with the Nasus with a really heads-up play in the second quarter of Game 5. A lot of you would have picked up on this, I certainly tweeted about it. Everyone seemed to love it. Thanasis, you just have to love this guy's energy, what he brings to the floor. But he showed a great sense of self-awareness late in the second quarter. There was a rebound that bounced. He could have easily picked up this rebound. With time winding down, the Bucks would have had one last shot to extend their lead. Thanasis let the ball bounce out of bounds and then immediately... I think Bud was going to do it anyway, but he immediately called to sub himself out of the game to get in an offensive player, Bryn Forbes, so he can potentially get a shot up at the end of the quarter and extend the Bucks' lead. It was awesome. This is not the type of play you see from NBA players. The Nasus just knows his role on his team. He's really embraced. This new role that he's got of coming in for one possession or two possession defensive possessions late in quarters. I love it. His energy is infectious. I've said this before, but the Thanasis fist pumps. I, I find myself watching Thanasis on the bench for extended periods in each game. He's awesome. He gets the Michelob Ultra moment of the week. Remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. With 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Thanasis, the Ultra moment of the week. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Mikelov Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I think some people would be listening to me saying that maybe my, my expectations were a little bit lower. I think I've communicated that through the season, but there, I can tell there will also be some people that are saying, how can you possibly say this now? You're maybe the biggest optimist I've ever heard with the Bucks." I think generally through the regular season and through the postseason and even right now with the Bucks down 3-2 where I think there's still a chance to win this series, I think I generally choose to look at the big picture. And I I still look at this franchise and the moves that they've made along the way. And I don't really question a lot of them. Going back, I do, and they've made mistakes along the way that have forced them to be in this position where they are very low in terms of assets and the moves they've been able to make. They've been very limited by mistakes they've made in the past but I like a lot of the stuff that they've done in the past few seasons. Still love the Drew Holiday trade. I know he hasn't had a fantastic series offensively here, but it's very clear that he's been an upgrade right through the season. I don't have a problem with that. And I'm not criticizing those moves that they've made to get to this point. And we're still talking about a franchise or a team that is top five, six in the NBA. I think that The path to the postseason, again, you mentioned it. Miami, sure, they breezed past those guys. And after that series, I was pretty open about the fact that be careful about drinking the Kool-Aid too much here because the way that Milwaukee won that series tells me that Miami are just a very average team. And I think that that's been proven. But the scariest team in the East throughout the whole season was going to be Brooklyn. And it's not necessarily because of the coaching or the depth of their roster or the role players that, yes, we saw Jeff Green had the night that he had yesterday, but it was because of Kevin Durant and it was because of, of James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Now, the frustration for Bucks fans to me feels like it's the fact that this feels like a missed opportunity all of a sudden because without those guys at full strength, with James Harden playing the way that he played yesterday, you feel like this is a window that you're going to regret. And I've referenced the Toronto Raptors in 2019 quite a bit because, look, they had some injury luck in the NBA finals. And, and, but who cares? You, you play, who's in front of you? And I think as we're looking around the league and seeing seemingly every team lose a star player every minute, it feels like this is going to be a missed opportunity again. And I think that that contributes to the frustration if you're a Bucs fan. And certainly for me, that's why I'm not giving up. Because if you win this game six, you give yourself a a chance in game seven. And we just spoke about it. If you had said at the start of the postseason that the Bucs could have a chance at playing the Atlanta Hawks for a spot in the NBA finals, you are going to be very, very happy and optimistic about your chances. So this is not over. But I I think the frustration you're seeing from the Bucs fans and on Twitter, it's just all these things thrown into one. And I think in, in a wider perspective... I think it, it it feels almost fitting as a Milwaukee Bucks fan that you don't even know where to look when you're trying to find what is the source of your frustration.
0: Yeah, you're right, and and I think as you zoom out on on this Brooklyn series, um, you know, like you mentioned, this was the key. This was going to be the key series in the Eastern Conference, right? This was going to be the key series for the Bucks. Whoever was going to come out of this Brooklyn series it was going to look like the favorite coming out of the East. Um, you mentioned on the pod number of times not thinking the Sixers are, are quite on that same tier, um, and I think if you zoom out on this series, it's just okay. The Bucks needed to get one of those first two. Bucks needed to get one of those first two to put themselves in the position to to close out the series early. Um, obviously, they they missed the opportunity in Game One. Uh, game Two was just an absolute absolutely <laughs> excruciating loss um and you know at that point i was kind of thinking that okay you're not going to win four out of five games against kevin durant Mm -hmm. kevin durant is an absolutely terrifying player one of the you know scariest scores we've seen in our lifetime you're not going to win four out of five games against this guy and then they you know they have the game three and game four that they have Kyrie goes down the bucks kind of crawl out of the grave and get themselves into position where they can you know take this series and they're up well into the third quarter i was thinking after i think there was there were two lopez threes uh, within the first few minutes of that that third quarter and after that i was feeling good um and then (laughs) it's life as a bucks fan as soon as you're feeling good the rug gets taken out from under you right
1: where do you have the scales in that game five in terms of Durant's masterclass versus the Bucks? I'll say choke because I've seen the word choke out there on the internet. I, I, I can't bring myself to use that word and I understand why. I, it was a collapse. There's no doubt about that offensively. But certainly compared to offensively what they did earlier in the, in the series now, the bar was very low. So I'm not trying to say that they should be happy or impressed with what they did in the second half of this game. But it was still up there in terms of the offensive halves that they've had. They just simply couldn't slow down a superstar in Kevin Durant from that period from basically halfway through the third quarter to halfway through the fourth.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've seen
1: differing opinions on this. I tweeted about Kevin Durant just being not human And I got like angry reactions from Bucs fans telling me that uh, always the optimist, locked on excuses was one of the tweets that came towards me, which I I (laughs) personally think is a little bit harsh. I think we've been pretty open about the fact that what's going to happen this season if the Bucs don't go through. But nonetheless, I respect it because uh, after a a loss like that, I think you should be able to let your emotions fly on Twitter. I always believe that. But where are you at on the scales of the Bucs completely blew that or Kevin Durant ripped it away?
0: Oh, I think, I think you have to give it up to Durant as just the incredible performance. Yeah, I mean, he did something that no other player's done in that game. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you you have to start there. Um, but the Bucks, they, I mean, they, they they did blow it. They they had the opportunity to win that game, and just with the way the offense, I think, you know, that you can pick any number of individual plays. And, you know, I've been talking to friends about this, and it's just like, you know, is it the, the turnaround against Harden? Is mm-hmm. it the drop pass? Is it Bud getting weird with the substitutions in the second quarter and not getting up 20 before the half, you know? Is it any number of things? I think it's just the overall, the, the overall way the offense was playing in the second half of just resorting to iso ball not being able to move the ball, just with that ball sticking. The, when the ball sticks, the Bucks become a very easy team to defend. And you can't put yourself in a situation when you're an easy team to defend, and then you have the greatest scorer of the past decade on the other end ready to throw flames at you as soon as he gets the ball at the top of the key. It's just you can't put yourself in a position where he's going to be able to do that and make things so easy on – on the nets.
1: It's time to talk about Rock Auto now, Dan, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home. You even have it in your pocket on your phone. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is the family business serving do-it-yourselfers and they've been doing so for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And then jump across to betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, whether it is the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, or your UFC, MMA action. Perhaps it's NFL futures. It's hard to believe, but the NFL season is not far away. So before the next pitch, hit, shot, whatever it is, Head across to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. You can head to the website and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's Bet online your online sportsbook experts. I've been really grappling with this throughout the course of the series, really, because it does feel that the box offense completely gets stuck in mud under, when they start to feel a little bit of pressure, which you know, from a mental standpoint, it makes sense that that's what happened. The guys go into their shell, they start to feel a little bit anxious, perhaps they feel the weight of the moment. This is a very human reaction, although if you're trying to win an NBA championship, it's also a fatal human reaction. So they, they need to be better in those situations. But I've also been grappling with that because we've spoke through the season about as the season wore on, the Bucs seemingly appeared to get better in fourth quarter offense in close games. I thought in Miami, every time they were questioned, particularly on the road in those game three and four, they answered the call every single time. You already mentioned a couple of those threes from Brooke Lopez in the third quarter. It felt like the Bucs were answering and it felt like they were relaxed. But the one thing that they weren't able to do was make the uh, hit the kill switch. They just were not able to extend the lead beyond 20 points. And I saw a tweet. I can't remember who tweeted this, but they, they put it out there that they thought that that Giannis substitution in the second quarter after he hit the three, then he hit the mid-ranger, then he hit another. So 7-0 run for Giannis. Bud subbed him out. Giannis was pissed off about it. We mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. And then I looked at halftime and I was like, well, the Bucs were still up from 16. But I think that, that that's what uh, one thing issue I've had through this series with Bud. I... The substitutions, he's played guys more. I don't think that necessarily it's, it's what's... Or, or the reason why the Bucs are losing games, but... The well, one game he one, does, he wasn't... Yeah. Right. I, but but I've, just, I've just felt that he needed to have a better sense for the feel of the game. In game one, he took out Brook Lopez after, at the six-minute mark after he had an excellent start on the offensive glass. In this game, perhaps that was the moment. You've just got a 7 a run from your superstar, from your two-time MVP... Let him roll. I know he's got two fouls, but this is your opportunity to open up the game to twenty points, twenty five points at halftime rather than sixteen, and then it's a bigger mountain to climb and perhaps the the Nets feel like it's too hard. So as far as the substitutions and minutes, for me it's been all about the feel of the game, which I don't think that Bud's had a great handle on. No, I think that's an understatement. Yeah. He's not had a great <laughs> handle on. It. I mean but
0: but you know, at the at the same time, like you know, he's he's not, he doesn't have the easiest hand to play right now either right. because, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, the foul trouble made things difficult in the first mm-hmm. half. Um, and just the fact that, I mean, he, he's doing these really screwy defensive schemes, of course. I mean, you, anybody can talk about that endlessly about, like, the drop stuff and, and where, why Lopez is out there at certain points and whatever. But you know, he—if you look at the bench, and Connaughton has been the only bench player who's really done anything in this series. Um, Forbes has been a non-factor. Portis didn't even play last night. We're getting random Elijah Bryant minutes, uh, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like. Uh, <laughs> what is it, You know, it, 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 honestly, we really are missing DiVincenzo a yeah. lot more than than I think we anticipated because I think he fills in a lot of the gaps that the stuff that they're they've just been bad at. Um, but yeah, but Bud with the substitutions and just look at the other, you know, look at what's happened on the other on the other bench. Uh, Steve Nash is just like, yeah, if you want to play 48 minutes, <laughs> go out there and play 48 minutes. You know.
1: It's pretty wild. I think the stat I saw, that was the first time someone had played 48 in a playoff game since LeBron back in twenty-seven or, or sorry, 2017 or 2018. I, I think the stat was, which sounds right. I mean, we've got used to LeBron doing similar things to that. And I think historically when you stacked up the numbers... I saw somewhere that uh, across the, the efficiency, the scoring, the rebounding, the assist, it, it ranks all up as one of the top five playoff performances of all time, and that, that's that's why I'm grappling with this idea of yes, the Bucks, no doubt, the wasted opportunity, threw it away, but they would have they would they would have still won if they didn't have this absolutely ungodly performance from Kevin Durant. Your Twitter feed after the game um amused me with one tweet in particular that was in full caps that was referring to the curse of bucks in six which let's be honest about this we've been here before everyone listening to this podcast has probably followed the bucks for long enough to understand that even if milwaukee won that game they were not winning at home in six there's no chance that was happening
0: bucks are never winning in six (laughs) i think we need to retire winning bucks in six Uh, yes, my all caps tweet was venting a little bit of frustration perhaps, but I I think it's a loser slogan and I think we need to retire it because, uh, you know, Brandon Jennings was, was not very good. And that comment was kind of dumb. And, uh, you know, I think since he's, since he's said that the bucks have lost in six, three times and they could lose fourth time tomorrow night. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think it's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Bucks and Six. I, I've had some people come back with like <laughs> pretty well thought out reasoned responses to that today where it's just, you know, kind of a pillar of Bucks fandom to adopt this, uh, this slogan almost sarcastically, uh, which, which I do appreciate, but I think uh, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of the Bucks and Six. I think Bucks and Six is cursed.
1: Well, uh, the one thing I would say is if Bucks in six came about during a triumphant moment in Bucks history and a player said that after they just won in six, then it would be associated with good memories. I think the fact that it's kind of a joke when it happens that they're about to play LeBron and they weren't a chance of ever winning a game, that it's kind of like, what, how did this actually catch on? But we know Brandon Jennings is one of the more popular Bucks, and, and maybe that's a, a sad recount of Bucks history and where we've been for the last two decades. That brings up a good point of mine, though. And you've been in the arena. So one thing that always bothered me when I was back in Milwaukee is that FISO Forum, uh, FISO Forum does get really loud. But it gets as loudest after made threes or into timeouts when there's no forced chance and everyone's just going nuts. So a, a big problem I have, and I don't know if you agree with me at all, but leading into the games at the opening tip, they always try to force this chant, whether it's fear the deer or Milwaukee or whatever it is. And it's just, I'm just like, why are we trying to force this chant? Let's just give people rally towels, let them go crazy, let them get loud and let's start the game. We we don't need to be forcing these chants. Where do you sit on this hot take?
0: Mm. Uh, I haven't thought about that, but I think I'm with you there. I mean, people are still, you know, uh, people probably have like a beer in each hand. So they're trying to figure out how to, how to get down to their seats and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, I do like the Milwaukee chant. just in general. I feel like that, bring, that one brings me back. If we're going to like adopt the chant, I feel like you got to do the Milwaukee mm-hmm. chant because it makes me think of the uh, game, game six, <laughs> uh, losing in six against the mm-hmm. Bulls uh, in 2015. When the, the game was over by halftime, and But this was the last game before the arena debate was going to happen that summer. And every fan stayed in that building and every fan stayed till the final whistle or, and chanted that Milwaukee, that very defiant, loud Milwaukee chant at the end. So I feel like if we're going to adopt a chant, that's the one, not
1: Bucks and Six. I can't remember whether I told this story on the podcast at any point in time. So I'll do it again now. And I'm sure there's some people that... that... Haven't listened or haven't heard this before. So I was in Milwaukee. That series was my first trip to Milwaukee. So at the time, I'd uh, I torn my ACL playing Aussie footy. So I was on the couch just at home. Never been to Milwaukee. Been watching the team for 15 years. So I, I said, "Listen, I'm rehabbing. There's nothing I can do. I'm booking a flight to Milwaukee." So I booked a flight to Milwaukee. Came over by myself. Went to these series. So I went to my first Bucks game I ever went to was Game Three, double overtime loss. The second game I went to was game four, Jared Bayless, buzzer beater. Game five, I just watched in Milwaukee at, uh, I think I watched at Major Goolsby's. I I think that's where I watched the game, which was awesome. So at that point, I'm thinking that game seven is coming. So my trip was uh, scheduled to end the day after game six. So I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So I was like calling. At at that point, I, I booked through like a travel agent. So it was a huge pain in the ass to change flights and everything like that. So I made all these calls. To get my flight changed, and the confirmation that my flight had been changed, and I had another four days added to my trip. The call came through literally at halftime of Game Six when the Bucks were down by forty-five points, and it was very clear that there wasn't going <laughs> to be a, there wasn't going to be a Game Seven. So I was drunk at that point anyway, so it didn't really matter. And as you said, everyone ended up having a fine night. I mean, it was very clear what was going to happen early, but that's my Game Six story from being at the Bradley Center. <laughs> It's, it's a, it was
0: a legendary night to be a Bucs fan, even though they lost by, what, 60 or whatever.
1: Yeah, I certainly won't uh, forget that one uh, for a long time. But anyway, we have got another game six here. Again, uh, you'll be able to confirm this. This is a 7.30 Central Time tip. Is that, is that accurate?
0: Uh, sounds right, yeah.
1: Are you going? No, I'm not going to this one. Is that um, because of other commitments or you just can't bring yourself to, to be there? Uh this is this is other commitments can't make it to this one. <laughs> right. That's fair enough. I, I'm I was... also
0: just like uh I don't know. I, I, I just feel like uh uh I I've seen a lot of excruciating I've seen Buck seasons end in mm-hmm. person too many times and I don't want to do that. Uh I, I was at the actually the one the game that I was thinking about today um was game five against the Raptors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Cause I feel like that was the last just across the board organizational breakdown of a loss um, where they were up a lot in the first half and had every opportunity to win it and put themselves in a position to go to the finals and didn't, uh, I almost feel like that loss was worse than last night um, because I felt like the, you know, it, I mean, you weren't going against uh, Kevin Durant having the greatest performance of all time. Um, but, you know, I remember leaving the arena that night and walking to catch a bus to head home. And just like it was so quiet walking like you have seen these things, in the Deer District now and people are going insane. And, you know, that night after that loss, people are just silent walking down to wherever they need to be. Uh, And I I don't want to revisit that scene I've done that so I'm gonna stay home for this one
1: I do feel as a you know again There's people that have watched the Bucks for so long There is something comforting about coming into this game trailing in the series without the expectation of winning because anytime You you've had expectation as a Bucks fan. It's never ended. Well, so I I guess that's that's Mm -hmm. the situation we're in I guess this is the first time we've been here since game six against Boston, uh, the last game at the Bradley Center, Giannis had a monster <clears> night there. The Bucs were able to pull it out and force a game seven. As I said, I'm still feeling confident that that's going to be the case. I, I was honestly just tired about breaking down this series, and uh, I-, I-, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with this podcast. I mentioned to you, Dan, that I-, I woke up this morning and forgot I even had to do a pod today. I think yesterday's game, I just wiped basketball from my memory. Uh, went for a run, got out of the house, and woke up today and thought, shit, the, this series is still going. I'm going to have to do this.
0: Oh, and here we are. We're going to go back. We're going to watch the Bucks. Maybe they'll win.
1: They will win. I'm confident that they'll win. But, Dan, uh, I mentioned this. I, I've been wanting to get you on for a long time because uh, I enjoy talking basketball with you, enjoy talking to you in general. Obviously, we interact all the time on Twitter. And and everyone knows you from the recombobulation area and also uh, your Bucks fandom. So this was a very late call. And I appreciate you taking the time. This was fun. Well thanks for having
0: me on Kane. I do appreciate it. Uh, love the podcast it 's one of my must listen NBA podcasts uh, and I also have to say that I have, a, I have two very young daughters and they watch uh, and so i 'm listening to uh, so i 'm listening to you on the podcast in the morning, and my daughter's watching bluey so there 's <laughs> just a lot of Australian accents in my life right now.
1: So this, show is, uh, this is going to show how little time I spend around kids in my life. And I've heard about Bluey about 100 times in the last year, but it's, I've never seen it. I don't know what it is, but it's from people that uh, have kids and they'll tweet at me. Frank, certainly, Mitchell Maurer as well. Uh, they know what Bluey is because cause the, kids, the kids watch uh, Bluey. Apparently, it's a really popular show. So uh, good for you guys getting Australian accents into your day.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. If you need uh, any more sports news, you can get it all with the Locked On Today podcast in under 20 minutes. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport. With the help of our local experts, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Win or lose, we'll be back after game six, hopefully in a good mood, hopefully in an optimistic mood about what game seven is going to bring. 7.30 p.m. Central Time. From FISO, and Bucks, and that's game six. Uh, all the best to everyone listening to this podcast. Hopefully tomorrow is a good day.